0: Over the past seven months, non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, have captured the world's imagination and hype cycle, especially after the digital artist, known as Beeple, sold an NFT, which is a blockchain-verified proof of transfer of ownership for one of his prints, for a record $69 million. Since then, demand for these types of collectible digital art has exploded. Artists, writers and entire industries are trying to tap into this lucrative new art form and create all kinds of NFTs for movies, albums, photographs, even a single tweet. Hello everyone, I'm Chitra Raghavan and this is Techtopia. At the forefront of the NFT effort in the digital newsroom is the business publication Quartz, which sold the first news article converted into a non-fungible token or NFT. Since then, The New York Times, Time Magazine, and other news outlets have followed suit with their own NFT offerings. Joining me now to talk about NFTs and the media landscape is Zach Seward. He's co-founder and CEO of Quartz. Seward is widely recognized as a leader in digital journalism, cited in publications such as Forbes, Crane's New York Business, Digiday, and Folio. Prior to joining Quartz, Seward was a reporter at The Wall Street Journal, covering education and health, and then served as the newspaper's first social media editor. And before The Wall Street Journal, he was an assistant editor at Harvard's Nieman Journalism Lab, covering the media industry. Zach, welcome to Tectopia.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, tell me how you made the journey uh, from journalism to uh, digital journalism and over to Quartz, and why you got it started.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I helped start Quartz back in 2012, and and before that, as you were just saying, I was I was at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, my boss there uh, was this guy Kevin Delaney. Who was the managing editor of WSJ.com, and he gets hired away by atlantic media in uh, the very beginning of 2012 to launch a new business news site for for atlantic media and that was that company then published the atlantic magazine a few other titles uh, and they had this theory which proved correct that there was some white space for a digital only global business news publication that would go after uh advertising that was largely you know locked up with the financial times and the economist which you know by dint of that not being a very competitive market uh had gotten kind of gotten complacent uh, and certainly had the the burden of having to focus on print and so we came in digital only totally free focused on you know uh what a business news organization could be if it, if it uh, was not us centric and mobile f- and, and focused on, you know, it's uh, readers on their mobile phones, a few other tenants that I, we can get into. Um, and we're able to grow really quickly, uh, largely on the back of, uh, both social media and, and email, uh, at the beginning and, uh, we uh, ultimately were uh, were sold uh, by Atlantic Media in 2018 to a Japanese media company, Usobase. Uh We were under their ownership for the last uh, two years until the very end of last year, 2020, um, which amid a whole lot of turbulence in the whole media industry, um, uh, Usabase put us up for sale. And, you uh, know twist that I'm also happy to talk at greater length about, uh, I and uh, Catherine Bell, our editor in chief, ended up buying the company uh, from Userbase in a management buyout. So we're now, Quartz is, a, is now a completely independent media company, uh, about 100 uh, people in the company, f- a newsroom of 50 people all over the world covering global business news and, um, uh, and trying to chart on a path now as a totally independent media company.
0: Well, congratulations. I think that's really good news.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun.
0: How does your approach dif- differ from your competitors when you take on uh, business uh, areas that you want to do explanatory journalism on?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a few uh, differences, uh, but, but the, the most important, I think, and one that's been core to uh, court's editorial approach from the beginning is how we organize our newsroom and, and our coverage uh, for readers. Uh, and and where whereas in most newsrooms, uh, the the coverage is divided up into beats the, the telecom reporter, the commodities reporter, the education reporter. Um, we divide our coverage up into what we call obsessions. So with obsessions we're not trying to identify or you know take the entirety of the global economy and divide it up into uh, uh, small chunks so that we can comprehensively cover everything. We're instead saying, you know what are the most important? Macro trends in the global economy that we're paying attention to, and think our readers ought to be paying attention to. Uh, and so, you know, in years past, that has been that has included the shift uh, of, of of television from you know linear television to, to digital uh, you know, IP distribution, uh, or uh, you know, disruption of the oil market with the growth of shale oil and electric uh, electric power, um, and now more you know more recently, uh, we're intensely focused on the on the climate economy, you know, uh, clean energy and uh, solutions to, to uh, climate change and a variety of other obsessions. And and when we cover these topics, we try to do so in a way that is less myopic than uh, tends to happen, I think, in traditional newsrooms with these very Focused beats, and instead takes a more interdisciplinary approach. So, um, I'll give an example from my own uh, writing days at Quartz. I mentioned we an obsession of ours for for many years was about digital television, and it was called Glass. The thesis being, you know, that it's all just glass, whether you're watching on a television, your phone, an iPad, or something in between. And in any event the the shift you know everything the the disruption happening in television a fascinating story and it's getting covered elsewhere by the culture desk of the arts reporter and by the business writer covering you know the big big uh, companies competing in the streaming service streaming wars uh, as well as maybe the telecom angle and so on and so forth but it's separate reporters covering from the uh, from separate angles and and our conviction is as a result probably not getting the whole of the story you know what's happening to television is as much a cultural story the changing the way people consume media and, and even how it's created in the first place as it is a business story you know what are the tactics uh, uh needed to, to to win over consumers is it a winner take all market, so on and so forth, and covering it as both of those things that once we've found works better, provides a richer uh, type of journalism for our readers, and and I think is the most distinguishing uh, uh, thing about Quartz's approach.
0: How much emphasis do you put on covering blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and digital assets in terms of a, a potential obsession? I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's something we've covered uh, from day one, uh, and, and day one for us was was 2012. So those were very very early days um, for for crypto and um, uh, and, 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 and blockchain, and um, we our coverage has tended to be way less focused on. Um, Cryptocurrency markets, or, and 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 the markets generally, you know the the get rich quick uh, aspects of uh, of crypto. Much as that, of course, you know, is a big reason why people pay attention to uh, to, to blockchain tech. It's usually not what's actually. And durably interesting uh, uh, about what's going on here. And so when you know Bitcoin was first exploding in those early years, 2013, 2014, you know, our, our conviction was like, sure, it's it's a fascinating market and we want to understand the market dynamics, but we also want to make sure, and most importantly, that our readers get what's going on. In a more fundamental way, like what what is what's the truly durable bit of knowledge here? And uh, in that case, uh, you know, we thought it was really important to understand how Bitcoin mining works. And I think I think it's a it's one of those things that when that clicks for you, you start to understand like what's different and revolutionary about uh, about the about the concept of a blockchain uh, more generally.
0: And how do you explain that? How did you do that?
1: To do that we, we uh, published a story, the headline of which was by reading this article, you're mining Bitcoin. And it was literally true. We uh, wrote just a bit of JavaScript that would run in, on your browser as you're uh, reading the article to actually do a bit of the cryptography necessary to mine Bitcoin. you know not quite as powerful as these uh, you know Bitcoin uh, farms in, in China. so it wasn't making much money, but it was a really concrete, Example that as I was, you know, as you're reading this explanation, you can, you know, think about and I, and better understand, and and of course it's also just meta uh, and more, you know, uh, enjoyable to read as a as a result, and and we found it a really great way to explain a pretty uh, then obscure uh, or difficult to understand uh, topic for our readers, uh, and um, and that kind of got us interested in 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 other ways we could better explain, you know, what's really interesting and underlying uh, blockchain uh, tech.
0: Perhaps you could explain in lay terms uh, for our audience what a non-fungible token or NFT is and how it differs from fungible tokens. Uh, And then we can talk about what you did to kind of explain uh, the NFT to people.
1: Yes, sure. So, um, you know, I think the biggest, uh, most important trend uh, in crypto, over the last several years, that people should know about is if you, you know, if you're just still focused on crypto is Bitcoin, then you've missed the explosion of other coins uh, in the meantime, and in particular uh, the explosion of Ethereum, um, where which you know I, I'm going to oversimplify this, and I and I should uh, qualify as well. I'm no uh, crypto expert, but one big underlying concept behind Ethereum was to allow the creation of uh, you know, an unlimited number of to- of coins and tokens um, that uh, on the same blockchain, you know, using the same shared infrastructure, which has led to that explosion. These tokens can come in one of two flavors. Uh, when you're talking about a, a coin, Bitcoin, that's 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 traded uh, like a currency. You know, one Bitcoin just like one. Uh, dollar bill is just the same as any other Bitcoin or any other dollar bill, and they're totally uh, you know, exchangeable or fungible. They're not unique. Um, but with non-fungible tokens, it's exactly the opposite. Uh, each token is unique. They, they might uh, all have the same you know, uh, rights or, or uh, contractual obligations uh, underlying them, uh, but my non-fungible token is uniquely mine because I have uh, the keys to it, um, and can verify that it, it belongs to me and nobody else. And Chitra's uh, NFT is, uh, uh, is is yours uh, alone as well. This is a pretty basic concept. It's uh, but it, but once you get that basic concept um, down, it opens up a lot of really interesting possibilities.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the best uh, explanations I read was on City Ventures website uh, of all things, and and basically it described how. Uh, These non-fungible tokens can represent anything, a piece of art, a song, a note, or a piece of real estate. And it's like uh, the article said, like a digital property deed uh, that can provide a verifiable way to transfer ownership of anything you can imagine. And in the case of the the crazy Beeple sale, you know, a piece of art for $69 million, Uh, go figure, right? So how did you then take this idea and communicate it with your audience? uh, to show how an NFT works.
1: Uh, well, well, we want, you know, wanted to accomplish, um, the seemingly simple, but as this is the last few minutes of our conversation, you know, make clear, uh, not, not actually that simple, uh, goal of explaining what, uh, an NFT is. And so tried the same sort of meta approach as we had, uh, in the past by, uh, minting the that very article as its own NFT. So, um, uh, w- the article itself was an explanation of that whole process that we went through um, in order to mint the NFT and then put it up for auction on OpenSea. Um, and then actually, you know, that's where the story ends, because, of course, uh, then, then the auction uh, commenced. And we found out if, any, if there was anyone actually interested in, in buying this thing. Um, but, uh, you know, what, uh, what you were literally buying in our case, as with the, you know, people piece of art and and with most every NFT is is just, you know, an indication on the blockchain that, you know, references the URL of our article, or actually a a JPEG of the article, um, and says you own it. Um, But, you know, you're not, uh, you don't control the, that article, you can't go go in and edit it. Um, You know, we, we in most actual respects, still own the article. It's a weird concept to get your head around, um, I think I'm not saying it's uh, it's bullshit. It's you know it's a real concept, but it's um, you know if you start to scratch your head, like why would anyone think this th- these things are actually valuable? You know, you're asking a good question. Like it, it is a um, this I think is highly debatable where the real value is in uh, in NFTs.
0: So when somebody paid the sixty nine million dollars for that people's work of art, every day, the first 5,000 days, I think it was called, what were they actually buying?
1: Right. They were buying, in my mind, a a, a URL <laughs> that uh, they, they, were, they were buying uh, the right to be listed as the owner on a publicly accessible and verifiable blockchain um, in a way that Simply as their, you know, their name or however they want to represent their ownership, um, their their private key uh, and a reference, a URL referring to the digital piece of art. You know, the file itself is obviously a digital file. It's in, it's infinitely replicable. It NFTs are a fascinating way to try to square the fact that. Digital files are infinitely replicable with, with the fact that creators of them want to be paid for their work, and you know there is value in art, even if it's entirely in pixels. Um, so it's so that's why it's a fascinating concept. But it, but again, it's um, it there isn't it isn't really analogous with the sale of, of physical goods in in, in any way.
0: And when you actually think about that, it just seems amazing, right? Uh, why would somebody pay money for that? I mean, why? why? Why is there so much speculation around this, would you say, at, the, at least at the moment?
1: The sim- simple, cynical answer is, um, you know, anywhere people smell, uh, get rich quick opportunity, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> uh, attention uh, all of a sudden. And I do think that that explains a, a decent amount of the um uh, of the excitement around NFTs. But uh, there really is uh, quite a lot going on here that I think is important and likely to matter long after that, uh, after this initial hype cycle uh, wears off. So um, one of the projects, I'm, I'm gonna forget the author's name off the top of my head, I apologize, but uh, there's a project uh, recently uh, using NFTs to fund media that I, I find really fascinating and i think is a easier to understand example of uh you know of, of how nfts might be used so um it's a, f- a fiction writer posted you know on on mirror which is you know quickly becoming a popular uh web3 uh writing platform she she wrote you know this is the concept for my next novel that i want to write um i need to raise you know this much money in order um to you know, be able to focus full time on writing the novel. Um, so I'm going to sell NFTs of the book uh, to you know a certain number of early backers to help make this happen. Um, and you know, she's got a bit you know, enough of a fan base that she was able to to sell those NFTs. And in essence, you know, very that's very much like other forms of. Funding that we're, we're more familiar with, like crowdfunding um, or, you know, patronage, because um, in this case, it, the, the people buying the NFTs were, you know, buying this digital reference, uh, just like in the people example. So that's kind of weird. Um, but also... You know, manifestly making possible the book itself, like making it possible for the book to exist. Um, and in this case, the author wanted to make it freely available, the book, to anyone on the internet. Um, so there, so the backers. Uh, of the project are also making it possible for the book to be free for everyone else and to the extent they see value in that which of course they do they like the writer they want to um want her you know uh, work to spread far and wide like why not buy the nft and then so like the thing that they're buying is 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 again you know kind of a wonky hard to get your mind around idea but really they're backing a, a, a creator that they like. Uh, and so that's why you're, you know, and that, or that's a simple example of why you're seeing a lot, a lot of excitement about NFTs and related concepts in the creator economy, uh, where it does seem like I think that's a viable form of funding, uh, you know, an independent uh, lifestyle for independent writers, artists, and, and so on.
0: Yeah. And for, especially after COVID-19, right, you saw so many artists and singers and performers uh, at every level, right, getting just absolutely decimated by the pandemic because people couldn't c- congregate anymore. And so I imagine that's this is a very exciting uh, way for them to uh, monetize some of their creative skills and and recoup some of the stuff that they've lost in, in over the last year and a year, a year and a half.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And, you know, it sort of depends on the what what form of creator we're talking about a writer or um, otherwise, but um, there, there's also new modes of like, how uh, creators cooperate with each other that is that crypto is like more helpful to to enable, um, you know, it's easier to create collectives of, um, of artists or, or writers. Um, and, and you know, recently people are pushing the idea of what's called a decentralized autonomous organization, where you know, a uh, 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 several creators go in, essentially mint a token um, that represents that organization and raise money in a similar fashion to the way I was just talking about. Um, but in in the process, they're also kind of creating a governance structure for I don't even know, I think you would call it a company, but you know, sort of an alternative to a traditional corporate structure, um, that, you know, like this is so early days. I don't think there are really great examples yet of DAOs as they're referred to, um, working at any scale, but it, that's pretty interesting. And that's all again, based on, uh, NFTs and then the kind of good example of like where this might go, that's more durable and a little less flashy or, uh, get rich quick.
0: Yeah, and, and before we we talk about some of these uh, crazy eye popping uh, artworks and stuff that have been selling, um, I want to close the loop on your article. Uh, were you able to auction it off, and and did you make sixty nine million dollars?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, right. Uh, I wish. not not quite, um, but yeah, we were we were able to to sell it um, for one ETH, which at the at that time was uh, was worth about uh, eighteen hundred dollars. USD actually now uh, it's exploded. I think it's about $4,000 some odd, but, and we had it, we had said ahead of time uh, that uh, any of the proceeds were generated from the sale. We would, uh, we would donate to charity um, and a a charity is near and dear to, to our heart. Um, And so that, you know, that's of course what we did. And we, I didn't think we were going to be able to raise uh, to, to to sell it for, for quite that much. And so it was, that was, um, that was awesome.
0: There are some great examples, right? There's the first Oscar-nominated documentary that was turned into an NFT. You have Jack Dorsey's first tweet that sold for $2.2 million. The one that really interested me also was the NFT album, Kings of Leon, When You See Yourself. What they're doing is they've actually got three different types of tokens. And it's fascinating because people don't realize perhaps that this is basically basically programmable so they have three types of tokens one would give you front row seats for life the second one would give you special audiovisual art and the third one would apparently give you your own special album package tailored just for you so I think that's fascinating. And people may not quite realize you can customize these things as an artist and be able to really have some creative ways of making money and getting your name out there and creating art and creating a following.
1: Totally. And, and I think um, that points to what I think might be the, the easiest way to understand, um, well, any token, whether non-fungible or otherwise, which is as a contract. Uh, and, um, you know, in the case of Kings of Leon, it's in essence like this NFT is a contract that guarantees you rights to front row roti- you know, seats. Um, uh, there's, there are startups experimenting with using, uh, non-fungible tokens or, uh, to, uh, uh as a mechanism for financing startups. So in that case, it's a contract that guarantee, you know, that entitles you to equity in an, in, in the startup, um. And that's a that's a cool concept. I mean, contracts are not are not new, but the idea that you could have a decentralized, uh, publicly verifiable um, contract is is new. And, and what the blockchain enables, and um, and I do think these these are very early examples. Like, and you're likely to see you're likely to see it applied in uh, all sorts of cases where you might otherwise have had a lot of lawyers involved. Well, there's still lawyers involved, but uh,
0: they—they
1: uh, just—it's uh, not Potentially not... even
0: more lawyers. Involved. Yeah, exactly, a different
1: type of lawyer, I'm sure.
0: Um, you know, you cover the business world, and art artists aren't the only ones uh, experimenting with this, right? A lot of businesses are as well. Um, do you have some examples of that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think to be honest, uh, most of the uh experiments uh with with nfts to, to date have been exactly that ex- experiments you know I, I i to be clear quartz's own uh, uh venture into to nfts was, was very much a journalism project uh, to try to help explain and explain it to our readers not not intending to be a uh, a moneymaker or like a suggestion that this is like a future of media, but, you, and, and I think I kind of interpreted as, you know, similar, some things that the, the Atlantic and time magazine did, you referenced them earlier um, in um, you know, selling NFTs of old covers of both of those magazines, which was like a cool idea. Um, but again, you know, if you're questioning like why would someone want to buy not the cover itself, but like just the, in some way, a reference to the cover. Um, you know, that's a good question, and I think it's you know it's likely to turn out that those kinds of experiments, which to be are more like what we've seen so far from businesses, um, are not are not the durable ones, or like that's not likely where the value um, really is
0: yeah i i saw a couple of examples of uh taco bell and and charman the toilet paper company uh auctioning off uh, nft themed art to raise funds for charity and my favorite was uh charman's um nft nftp non-fungible toilet paper <laughs> perfect <laughs> well it says
1: it's, it says it all right i mean like i i don't blame them at all and could hardly right, like having uh, been the news organization that sold the first uh, NFT news article, but that's all stunts, right? And yeah. um, uh, that you see that, of course, in the at the beginning of any uh, big big hype cycle, uh, and whatever it starts to get interesting. I mean, there is what uh, is, is where wh- what parts of it are durable. Probably not the toilet paper uh, <laughs> aspect, but who knows? I've Crazier things have happened. I would have said the same thing about Dogecoin uh, many years ago. So what do I know?
0: So in the landscape of uh, digital media and digital journalism, where do you see this fitting in the long term? Well,
1: I think there's likely uh, a f- few pretty practical examples who are likely to you know, become, if not mainstream, certainly like adopted, uh, but certain uh, area, uh, parts of the media industry. One is in licensing. So uh, I, was, I was saying, uh, you know, a moment ago, uh, one easy way to think about NFTs is, is as a contract and in the term crypto world, the smart contracts. And um, when you, you know, if, if you're trying to facilitate uh, allowing a lot of different potential customers to, Publish the a photograph or p- a piece of writing that you you own the copyright to, um, it gets really complicated really fast as uh, you know organizations like the Associated Press or Reuters or Getty Images know, um, and there are some distinct advantages to doing all of that on the blockchain. That you know, right now it's too obscure and kludgy to use to to actually to imagine that like Getty or AP are going to distribute their photos on the blockchain today, but as that user experience gets better um i i do think that there are some huge advantages for license for the licensing business in in media um that, uh, that the, the the blockchain technology generally can enable and, and and that would definitely involve nfts
0: and so you see it having a lasting influence on uh, journalism and on the world or is it a passing fancy or
1: yeah no well I mean, that you know it's like it be, in that sense, it's a more boring uh, prosaic influence, but that could be a, a, you know, a very significant revenue line for a lot of um, uh, publishers that, you know, have not been able to really make much of their, um, you know, syndication businesses. So, uh, so, so in that sense, yeah, very much a lasting way. And, and to be clear, I, I, I see even like, more exciting applications uh, of of NFTs in in media. And and a lot of them, I think, are more likely to emerge from uh, independent or smaller uh, media companies uh, and and journalists striking out on their own who in trying to find like the right business model to support their kind of work um, are, you know, quickly turning to models that are either our based in, on the blockchain or are inspired by it um, to let their, you know, their fans, uh, you know, in in essence in invest in them uh, in ways that uh, that these tokens start to enable. You know, you have uh, I, concepts like rally coins that are coins based about, on people um, and um, that, that have taken off and, you know, they're, they're valued based on how the community of fans investing in that, person or the token representing that person like value their work um I, it's fraught in all sorts of ways but I, I i do think that that you know there's that there's definitely a, a lot a, a real trend there and we're likely to see a lot more of that in um in media especially among like the the smaller outlets and, and indie journalists
0: given how long you've covered uh cryptocurrency blockchain digital assets i want to pull back uh, out of nfts for a minute and you've seen so much volatility in the industry over the last few weeks and months and you know talks talk of regulation uh Congress is getting interested there's just a lot of volatility a lot of movement uh what do you how do you uh explain that to your readers right now what are you seeing compared to where we were and where we're going
1: speaking about the Crypto markets and trading, and cryptocurrency specifically, it's a hypercharged version of the more traditional markets. And our view, Quartz's view of uh, of, of traditional stock trading has, has, to be honest, have been a little dismissive. Um, we, you know, we don't think uh, it's wise to, uh, to to day trade or follow the market movements on a hour hourly basis, um, you know, definitely subscribe to the, uh, to index fund approach to investing. Um, and anything else is either like for fun, which that's fun, you know, gambling is it's fun. Um, so as it's done responsibly, uh, or, um, or, or essentially, essentially financial instruments designed to be, um, you know, to, to generate, uh, profits unto themselves um, which is like its own cottage industry that we don't have we don't cover so so a lot of a lot of what's going on in cryptocurrencies is, is it's just the same thing but at you know uh, even greater levels of speculation and um, I, I mean again if people want to be risking it all on um, uh, on these coins they just just like any big risk that it, it may well pay off but it's not what I think is or I wouldn't advise that that taking that risk certainly, and I um and it's not what I think is like most interesting about cryptocurrencies. And there's this weird paradox because it's definitely what gets people interested. And I, I I don't I don't you know I'm not trying to be uh, so self righteous like I I found it fascinating and follow it more closely when when uh, Dogecoin is uh, quintupling in price uh, overnight. Like that's that is crazy and fun and interesting to watch. Um, but it's probably not the the real story there.
0: So, what interests you the most? Would you say at this point?
1: I do believe that a that the decentralized nature of, of blockchain, and I would bet on the Ethereum blockchain if I had to, w- is the best bet we have to like um, uh, achieve some of the early principles of the of the early web. That's why people are think are talking about Web three is um, a as a sort of a version of the web uh, that that is uh, based on uh, blockchain the blockchain and blockchain concepts and um, that means applications that are totally decentralized and of course finance um, that can uh, that can run in a decentralized way like I do think that is fascinating and important and has some important advantages over. Traditional finance systems, and what needs to happen is it needs to get easier to use and more accessible to a broader uh, group of people as fast as possible. Like the last year is like there's been enormous acceleration on that, but it, like it can't happen fast enough because. Um, so what most interests me are uh, ways people are basically obscuring the blockchain parts of the blockchain. Um, so, uh, there's a startup called magic, uh, that all they do is like help, uh, sites generate magic links to help you log into a website. You know, you, you know, I'm sorry, you've seen, you know, put your email here and then email me a link to log in. Um, so they're a provider of that kind of service, but it's done on the blockchain, but you wouldn't have no, you would have no idea that that's the case. And there's some advantages to doing it on the blockchain, um, at, you know, that I'll let them uh, make the case for, but, uh, it just works and, uh, uh, this whole crypto space needs a lot more applications that just work, um, and there's a lot of good reasons why that has that's been slow and it's it's complicated. But like the faster that happens, the faster we get to what's really interesting here. I think.
0: So that eventually people don't even realize they're on the blockchain; they're just doing their thing, like we take the uh, uh, web 2.0 for granted.
1: Exactly. I'm not like uh, uh, thinking uh, uh, for a moment about um, like I'm a, uh, AWS has something to do with the zoom that we're having right now but of course in the background that's exactly what's happening i just don't have to think about it because zoom took care of that
0: great well zach thank you so much for joining me on techtopia and for this amazing conversation and for explaining nfts uh in a simple way i guess i can now try to go convert this podcast episode into an nft
1: (laughs) we got to split the proceeds if we do that (laughs) absolutely you
0: got that let's do it all right that's the creator economy I love it. (laughs) Uh, Zach Seward is the co-founder and CEO of Quartz, a digital business publication specializing in the analysis of the global economy and helping readers discover new industries, new markets, and new ways of doing business that is more sustainable, innovative, and inclusive. Seward is widely recognized as a leader in digital journalism in publications like Forbes, Cranes, New York Business, Digiday, and Folio, where he's been cited. Prior to joining Quartz, Seward worked at the Wall Street Journal, first as a reporter covering education and health, then as the newspaper's first social media editor. And prior to that, he was an assistant editor at Harvard's Neiman Journalism Lab, covering the media industry. This is Techtopia. I'm Chitra Raghavan. Techtopia is a podcast from Good Story, an advisory firm helping technology startups with brand strategy, positioning, and narrative. Our producer is Jeremy Corr, founder and CEO of Executive Podcasting Solutions with production assistance from Kate Cruz. Our creative advisor is Adi Weinland, and our research and logistics lead is Sarah Muller. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. And if you like the show, please rate it five stars, leave a review and do recommend it to your friends, family and colleagues. For questions, comments and transcripts, please visit our website at goodstory.io or send us an email at podcast at goodstory.io. Join us next week for another episode of Techtopia. I'll see you then.